This is Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Chuck Stetson, who is the CEO of Essentials in Education, EIE. And we're talking about teaching the Bible in schools. Lots to learn today. Thanks for being here. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Chuck Stetson is the CEO of Essentials in Education, EIE. Essentials in Education is a nonprofit foundation providing educational materials to primary, secondary, and collegiate institutions. Formed in 2001, EIE programs are taught in 45 states and globally. Taught as an English or Social Studies high school elective course, this program is found in 650 high schools in 45 states and has a 10% market share in six states, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Indiana, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Chuck is a speaker on education in a variety of venues, including business leaders, community leaders, the staff of Congress, the White House, and leading universities. He has appeared on Fox News, CBS Sunday Morning, and The Today Show. His work at EIE has been featured in numerous Associated Press articles, The New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Newsweek, and in Time Magazine. He has a BA from Yale University and is a graduate of Columbia University's Graduate School of Business with an MBA. Chuck, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Well, thank you. It's uh, great to be with you. Well, um, it's awesome to, to be talking with you. And uh, and what I'd like to do is, let's just uh, start off, because uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, could you talk a little bit about why you think that there's an assumption that it's, because what we're going to talk about is teaching, um, using the Bible in, in public schools. And uh, sure. what I'd like to do is uh, just say, uh, why do you think some people think that, you know, there's this is assumption that it's illegal to teach the Bible? Well, um, yeah, we've done a study, uh, about 45% of uh, Americans believe that. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, really too bad because um, we've um, basically, I thought we crossed that bridge to a large extent. Uh, back in the 1990s, um, the First Amendment Center came out with a um, pamphlet, uh, Religion and Public Schools, the First Amendment Guide. And that was distributed to every single um, school superintendent and school um, in the United States uh, by the Clinton administration. Uh, I called up uh, the First Amendment Center and said, well, what about the Bible? And the guy was in my office in two weeks. And 11 months later, we had Bible and Public Schools, the First Amendment Guide. And it just incorporated the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court has consistently upheld uh, the teaching of academically of the Bible. It's just that in uh, 1963, uh, they um, said you can no longer teach it religiously. And when that happened, um, what the schools, they just threw the baby out with the bathwater. We're just trying to bring it back. But in the Bible and Public Schools, the First Amendment Guide, it was endorsed by the National School Boards Association, the American Federation of Teachers, the uh, National Education Association, Christian groups, uh, Jewish groups. And we even had the, um, uh, the People for the American Way, which represents a secular group. So we had everyone signed on board because it is legal 
And uh, that's something that uh, people should know. And, you know, I know that it's been kind of um, uh, hard for uh, teachers and all. Uh, they've it's, it's been um, who know that it's okay, um, but still because some people think it's not okay, um, it's been a little bit hard for uh, teachers in some instances to uh, uh, advance the cause. But I think the, the other thing that we did once we had the legal uh, worked out uh, and the first uh, the Bible in public schools, the First Amendment guide, we then looked at and got some funding from the Templeton Foundation, and we looked at the issue of, you know, should it be done? Just because it's legal doesn't mean it should. Well, we did a high school, uh, a survey of high school English teachers, and we found out that 96% in a national survey believe that kids are disadvantaged when reading English literature if they don't know the Bible. It's 96%. And then we went to high school, uh, excuse me, university professors in 39, uni uh, uh, 34 universities, 39 professors, and uh, they 100% agreed, and these are at Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Stanford, pretty secular universities, but 100% agreed that educated person, regardless of their faith, knows the Bible. So uh, not only do, is it legal, uh, we should do it, and then the only question is how do we do it, and I can talk about that. Yeah, before we go any further, um, Chuck, what I'd like to do is, just what inspired you to take up this calling? I mean, to, to be focused on the uh, Bible as part of the curriculum in public schools, because um, you're, you're in business, right? Yeah, but um, the the interesting thing is that um, I'm a third generation um, of a family, uh, the Stetson family, that um, has um, um, we made some money along the way, and uh, we always I've always grown up with uh, two aspects. We have the for profit side, and we have the not for profit side. And the not for profit side, um, I'm an entrepreneur like my grandfather was, and like my father was. And we just sort of look at the world. We see the way the world should be and we see the way the world is. And we just try to move the world where it is to where it should be. And it's, that's a that's a tall order and all that. But, you know, um, in many uh, very specific projects, we've made, you know, uh, huge progress. Um, and uh, that's just one of the things we do. So in education, uh, what I saw uh, was the issue of uh, 75 percent. Um, of people, according to a George Gallup study, it was actually done in 1986, but I saw it in 1995 or so, and it's and it and it's held at that level. It was reconfirmed at the same level in 2004. It's slightly higher now, um, but 75% uh, or more of Americans want to see the Bible taught in public schools. 8% of public schools teach it, uh, and in that uh, they do it as an elective. So you um, get only get 25% of the students. So you're teaching 2% of the 51 million students that are in public schools. And that's just flat out unacceptable. So um, as an entrepreneur, you know, some people would say, oh, that's horrible. You know, I'll move on to something else. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I see something like that. I say, wow, discontinuity, uh, there's probably an opportunity in here somewhere. And um, as I started peeling the onion, we, uh, looked at the approach of first, you know, there were some people that were saying it wasn't legal. So we had to solve that problem. We did that with Bible and public schools, the first amendment guide. And then it just, then we needed to really show that it was needed. Uh, I just decided the high school and the uh, university uh, studies that we did. And then uh, the only other thing that uh, needed to be done is uh, how to put it together. And so um, that's one of the things that I supervised and I was the general editor for the Bible in public schools, which has been taught 
um, in 650 high schools in 45 states now um, since 2005. Uh, and there's a lot of enthusiasm because kids will come in knowing absolutely nothing. We've documented that. And uh, by the end of the time of the class, which would be a semester or full year course, 72% report, continue to read the Bible. I think that is incredible uh, when there's so many time pressures on the kids and they get so distracted that they would continue to read the Bible. They must have found something that was exciting in it. Most definitely. So so tell me a little bit about uh, how how you envision the class. How, how is the class taught? How is it? Because uh, we're going to get in, in a little bit about uh, some of the curriculum, but uh, can you talk a little bit about how, how s- the schools, where they offer it, how it's, how it's taught, how the, the kids go about taking well, it? Well, we, we, we have uh, a teacher's edition, which um, is pretty standard. In the, uh, and uh, what, what we did is, um, uh, since I know uh, uh, very little about how the high school system works, I went out and hired a guy that was um, just retiring uh, as vice president uh, in McGraw-Hill Education. He was responsible for religion, music, uh, and uh, social studies. So he knew what he was doing, and he brought essentially all of the McGraw-Hill relationships with him. And so um, he knew how to format stuff and and all that. We have this teacher's edition, which is in the standard uh, format that you would expect for a high school. But what, what we did is we put a lot of interesting activities um, in there. Uh, uh, we put a lot of extra uh, supplemental materials because often you get um, someone that's really smart on the Bible uh, sitting in the front row, at, you know, trying to push the teacher. Well, we give the teacher a few extra uh, things that um, they can ask the class where we give the answers to the teacher only so that the teacher can look real smart, um, you know, where, you know, some kids are, you know, uh, have, have really uh, you know, uh, studied this stuff, but most of the kids haven't. Um, in fact, what the study showed, and we did a, a Gallup study um, in 2004 and we uh, of kids uh, 11 through uh, 17, it was a scientific survey, and, you know, they, they knew kind of Cain and, uh, excuse me, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, but when you, once you got started to get to things like Cain and Abel, or the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you were they were kind of lost. Twenty-five percent of the kids thought that Moses uh, was an apostle, so um, it was a pretty uh, shallow knowledge. And what the kids liked is they liked the, the narratives. They're they're really cool stories in the Bible. And um, what we did is we connected it on every page. So in the three hundred ninety-four pages, um, each page is connected with. Uh, we have a picture of art. We have a connection to literature history, music, or culture, and some sort of thing. And all of a sudden, people realize, wow, I didn't realize that that was connected. You know, and there are just even simple words like the patience of Job. Well, who's Job? Well, um, why, don't you, why don't you read a little bit about it? Well, we summarize it, but the thing that was very interesting is that we got 40 reviewers. We got people that were uh, uh, Protestants. We got people that were Christian, or, um, excuse me, Catholic. Um, we got Orthodox, we got Jews, we got secularists, we got economics. Everyone signed off on it. So, you know, we have no problem with, with people. Yes, they'll bring their own translation, and that's fine. But we have a very simple narrative story. We respected um, people's, uh, there are areas where people would disagree, like in Genesis uh, 3, uh, uh, the Jewish groups would, would uh, not sign on to the fall because the fall is a Christian concept. Uh, they believe uh, that uh, in 
Genesis 3, it's more wrestling with God. And okay, that's fine. Well, we just use that in a sentence or two. We explain that there's a difference here. Let's move on and let's just work with the story as it is. So um, what we've tr really tried to do is make it very user-friendly for um, any teacher to teach and, and any uh, student to learn because we don't go down any uh, bad pathways. Uh, this is academic. And quite frankly, uh, our belief is that without the Bible, you just can't fully understand the English language, English literature, history, art, music, or culture. So that's a problem. If you, if you can't understand that, there are over uh, 1,200 uh, biblical references in the, in the uh, 36 plays of Shakespeare. Our view is that if you don't know the Bible, you don't know Shakespeare. That's interesting. That's interesting. I've, and it, that's, that's, it's, you know, it's right on point. There's, it's, the references are there. And if you don't know what you're, you know, you know what he's talking about, <laughs> you missed out on a, on a bunch. So, you know, um, well, even, even the story of, uh, Moby Dick, you can't, you can't get past the first sentence. Call me Ishmael. Well, who's Ishmael? Uh, oh yeah. The, uh, Norton anthology is very helpful. They have a footnote. Um, they, they footnoted that he was a wanderer. It, is that what you think? Herman Melville expected you to know about the image that he was drawing there. Yeah, I think it's a little deeper than that. It's a little deeper, and <laughs> and and so the kids, uh, uh, if they're um, reading it uh, without the uh, full um, uh, understanding of the references, uh, it's it. Uh, one person uh, put it, professor put it this way: it's like uh, opening up a dictionary and looking up word, looking up words where one third of the words are missing. Wow. That's it's very good point. I mean, because the throughout time, and especially the more historical the book is, and then in the, in the um, time frames that it's focused on, it it would be you know you're going to have the references, and uh, you would need to know. That's that's a good point. I, you know, one of the things I'd like to do is kind of talk a little bit about uh, you know right now we're really focused um, in trying to f you know help kids understand and build their character. And so there's a lot of emphasis on character development. And I've heard you share a little bit about uh, using the Bible to help with character development. Could you go there for just a few minutes? Yeah. Um, basically, uh, one of the things that we uh, just released last week is a study that was done by an independent academic. Uh, it's called a meta study. They looked at 40 um, studies uh, on using, looking at biblical character. Biblical characters they looked at is love, uh, integrity, compassion, self-discipline, and seeing how uh, kids' grades went. And it turns out that when you teach those kinds of values, um, the grades actually go up. Wow. Um, you get character and you also get better grades. What's there not to like about that one? <laughs> um, and uh, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, character uh, is not really nuanced very well. Um, because there's all sorts of character. Uh, the Greeks taught character. Okay, what kind of character did they teach? Well, they taught from their literature, uh, as the Bible is literature, and they uh, you get character from the Bible, reading the, the stories and the like. But they, the character that they were talking about was rage and revenge, because let, let's just uh, look at the first sentence of uh, the Iliad, which was taught to kids in the 7th and 8th century B.C., as a way of teaching character. How does it go? Sing, goddess, sing of the rage of Peleus' son, Achilles. Oh, this is going to be good. This is about rage and revenge. Um, you know, that's character. His character in the original Greek means etching. So it, it's, it's really who you are. Is that what, you know, do you want to teach uh, rage or revenge to your kids? Or would you like to teach uh, compassion, kindness, meekness, 
um, humility, uh, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. Help me out. Which do you want? To, which do you want to teach? Yeah, I would. I would think that uh, if we can st- stick on the, the the love and the you know, <laughs> um, get away from the revenge and such. <laughs> Well, that's the problem. Um, you know, they had racial revenge, and look, Greece just had a horrible time. Uh, the city-states were constantly fighting with each other. The interesting thing is that when you go to the Bible, they had six cities of refuge. So if, you know, you had a conflict with someone, you could go to one of the six cities, and you would be protected there until you could at least have a, a fair hearing, and they could sort things out. So it, it was really kind of uh, the six cities of refuge were kind of a timeout area. They didn't have a timeout area in uh, Greece. I mean, uh, they were really uh, very advanced. And also uh, in the Bible, you had to have two witnesses. One witness wasn't enough to convict anyone. And so um, uh, they were they were very good on justice in those very ancient times. And, you know, a lot of the principles that were set down long ago in the Bible have carried through uh, to us. I'll give you a, another situation, a, a character trait, um, compassion. Um, did you know that compassion did not come into the Greek language until the first century AD when it shows up 12 times in the New Testament? Were you aware of that? Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, the Greeks held it in, all in. So, you know, uh, they avoided suffering like crazy. So the idea of compassion was a total anathema. So we go to the parable of the Good Samaritan, and what do you have there? Uh, you have the priest and Levite, and they're walking on by. Um, and that's sort of shocking to us, but it was totally natural for them because that's what good Greeks in the Hellenized world did. The idea that someone would stop and have show pity or compassion um, on a guy that had fallen, uh, been uh, beaten and, and stripped and left half, uh, left, uh half dead. I mean, the, the idea was uh, a total anathema. And then to put on top of that, it was your enemy that stops. I mean, that, that, that just had to be so mind boggling. Never taught this way, but it should be taught that way because that's what it really was. It was a mind boggling concept. So I, I like to have fun with uh, young kids because I can stay on you like compassion? Of course, almost every kid will say yes. And then I can say, well, how biblical of you? They say what, and that's a, that's my opening, right? That's a, that's an awesome hook. I, I have, uh, you know, it, it just kind of sucks someone into the into the conversation like that is perfect. That's uh, uh, and, and to wanting know, to know more because I, I think just uh, the focus on character development uh, because of what you know from the direction that you're talking about, it's so right there, and you can you could use uh, many of the different stories to um, to show because um, to me that's a big part of what. Uh, um, the teachings from the Bible, anyway. There's, there's, uh, yeah, um, character lack of in some characters, and uh, <laughs> um, and the, the character traits that you want to uh, um, share and uh, have uh, kids understand uh, the lessons associated with them. One of the things I'd like to do is if you know EIE has released a curriculum called Wisdom Literature from the Bible. Could you give us kind of an overview of this curriculum because? Originally, you had, and basically kind of talk a little bit about the difference between wisdom, literature, and the original course, the Bible and its influence. Right. Well, um, when we started out, people um, were a little bit shy and said, well, you're not going to have everyone do that, are you? I said, okay, it's an elective. 
And so we've done an elective since 2005, and everyone's more than comfortable with it. And people are, are you know, uh, often putting in a second uh, elective class because it's so popular, um, uh, which is re really cool. But we pulled out wisdom literature for a specific reason. Wisdom literature focuses on character. And um, we just had this really interesting training session that we did with uh, um, approximately 200 um, uh, high school uh, teachers. And they were actually thrilled when they got through with it because um, they kind of like a lot of people, they knew a little bit of the Psalms, they've listened to the Psalms. Everyone's uh, listened to Psalm 23. It's read a lot of funerals uh, and, the, and the like. Um, but they never really zoomed in on it. They really probably haven't paid much attention at all to Proverbs. Uh, they didn't, they haven't read Ecclesiastes or Song of Psalms. Uh, they haven't uh, read uh, the book of Job. They, they maybe have heard about the patience of Job. But when we got through this training session and um, we, the people that uh, attained, uh, attended we're really uh, told uh, we had this, uh, we actually did this in the Philippines uh, where we're active. Uh, we had uh, the governor, three times governor of one of the provinces uh, told all the uh, high schools that um, that uh, he wanted them to show up for this event. So they sent five teachers from each high school. They, they didn't know what they were going to get. But you know what they were thrilled with is they had something that was familiar to them actually on their bookshelf that they hadn't really looked at. Uh, but we were, we deal with, it deals with suffering. The, it turns out wisdom literature is the best literature in the world in dealing with suffering. Why? Because it recognizes, uh, first off, that there is suffering in the world. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the Greeks wanted to avoid it at all costs. Um, and some of the other groups uh, out there, um, wanted to avoid it at all costs. But, you know, the reality is there is, um, suffering and how do you deal with suffering and the patience of job and how he managed through um these uh three uh friends of his that came in and tried to uh uh you know uh, uh turn him or turn or turn him away from all the things that good things that he was doing i mean at the end of the day it works out for uh, uh job and if you ask kids the following question hey do you know someone that uh has had it really easy in life all their life and then they hit a bump in the road what happens to them well typically their whole life falls apart um, if you have someone that has had a lot of rough going um, and they hit a, a, a bump in the road what's it what's it, what is it it's another bump in the road you know not no big deal and so what it really goes is it validates what you find in Romans that suffering leads to perseverance leads to what character leads to what hope these kids need hope. What the, what the teachers were all telling us is that, look, uh, our kids are trying to, in high school, are trying to get, uh, as seniors, trying to get into, you know, co good colleges. They're competing with their friends. Uh, uh, they've got uh, situations at home that aren't working out. They've got broken homes. Uh, they've got the normal teenage things. You know, to offer kids that are um, depressed and uh uh, really having a tough time of it, some of them with suicidal thoughts, to offer them hope, that's a big deal. And the, the, just to watch the teachers' faces, they were so excited about this. Um, and this is the best literature. This literature actually deals with a real problem that no one really wants to talk about these days. By the way, you're not going to get in any self-help books in any of the uh, bookstores.
Right. That's that's a very good point. Is that uh, you know people don't want to talk about it. They you know they, they kind of avoid it. Um, very interesting. I you know I think that uh, that that in itself is just a, a huge reason for wanting to consider um, offering the curriculum. So well, the thing is, it's been taught for three thousand years, and there's a reason it's been taught for three thousand years. Yes, the last fifty years it's been absent, but you know this absence we have to correct because it's it's improper. Um, the nice part about it, if you go to Proverbs, the first uh, 15 um, chapters of Proverbs um, talks about, you know, things that the wise person does and the things that the uh, uh, that the fool does. Uh, and it's it's very interesting because and even some of the translation doesn't pick it up. But one of my favorite verses is in chapter 11 um, and it's um, uh, verse 11 and 12. It talks about uh, and I will, I'll just use the Hebrew word because it doesn't translate well into the English. When the Siddiq prosper, the city rejoices. The Siddiq are the ones that care for others. So I can, I can see totally why if they prosper and they're caring for others, um, why, why wouldn't the city rejoice? They should. Um, but when the Rasa, um, sometimes translated wicked, but it means the ones that are self-centered, um, when they fail, the city rejoices also. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you know, there it is. Um, you have uh, a really valuable lesson there. A, little, a couple of verses later, it talks about the wise person has listens to his advisors. The fool goes it alone. Well, you know, that's, that's actually some good wisdom there that we should all learn. And then the interesting thing is that when you get through uh, chapters 20, uh, 16 through 30, you know, you find out that, Hey, uh, it deals with the issue of not, you know, you may have done everything right in your life and that things don't seem to work out uh, there's for, for one reason or another. Um, not everything goes the way it should go. And how do you handle that? And, um, you know, what you try to do is you try to remain steadfast in it. But, you know, if you go to the uh, self-help books, typically in the bookstore, they'll tell you that, um, you know, here's the way to success. And by the way, if you uh, uh, screw up and you don't follow it, um, uh, you're, you, you know that's when you have trouble. So if you have trouble, uh, it's because you didn't follow uh, the self-help book. Well, Proverbs is a little bit deeper than that. They, they fully understand that things don't always go the way uh, you want them, the way you planned and, and all of that. So um, it, it really is very helpful to kind of look and the fact that this is stuff that was taught uh, it was originally taught, uh, Proverbs came uh, in, it was first introduced in the uh, Mesopotamia in 2200 to 2400 BC. Uh, Steve, you're a, kind of a history buff. And then it ended up migrating over to Egypt. And then it migrated back to Israel and was put in the form that we have it today. Um, but it's the same type of thing. It was taught in classes so that kids could have a better life, so that they can learn how to handle a lot of the issues that come up in life, will it be perfect? No, there, there'll still be some problems that will come up, come up. But, you know, it's really important uh, that, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, go back to the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You have a shepherd uh, and you, we all need a shepherd of some kind to look out after us. Uh, and I just I just do this little riff uh, for the teachers. Uh, where I say, you know, look, look at this. You shall not, you know, you, you have nothing that you want. You don't, you don't need any more money. You don't need uh, a, you know, more, uh, fancier car. You don't need a fancier house. You have uh, fancier clothing. You have everything you need. 
the, um, the shepherd leads you by uh, uh, still water, so you have everything you need to drink. Verdant pastures, you have everything you need to eat. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, even though there are troubles in life, the shepherd is with you. And the shepherd even prepares a uh, banquet in front of your enemies. What more could you want? You know, this is the type. This is the type of thinking that kids really need to have, and they're just not getting anywhere else. And you know, if the teacher can show here's something that is age old that works, you know, that's pretty cool. That is very cool, and that's and you're right. And, and we, we unfortunately, many of them, the only lessons they're learning are from uh, what's on uh, uh, and. I started to say what's on TV, but now it's, you know, what's on the, uh, the different, uh, <laughs> things through the internet and so forth, the different shows that they don't even have to watch the TV. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, I thank you for sharing because, you know, one of the things that it makes me think about is, you know, I, and I wanted to ask this is, you know, right now, um, you've said that, uh, the Bible and its influence program can be found in 650 high schools in 45 States. Could you describe a little bit about what's going on to try and get the attention of the other States? Well, um, what we do is, um, and it's not perfect, but we have nine states starting with Georgia in 06 um, uh, and uh, most recently Kentucky uh, last year that have passed legislation to encourage the teaching of the Bible. So that's the legislature encouraging it. So, you know, um, what we're trying to do is get teachers to understand that uh, particularly if their legislatures are for it, uh, the principals and the teachers should also be for it. The school superintendents ought to be for it because if it's taught academically uh, and it's related to uh, the English language, uh, English literature, history, art, music, and culture, um, that's really important. Um, and uh, you, it, you help kids better decode the world, world um, uh, and the like. But you know, with the wisdom literature. Um, I think there we have um, a, a really good thing, but I think that belongs in every single um, world literature class in the world. And that's, that's our, that's our view. Uh, it's a three week um, uh, uh, short um, uh, insert into a world literature course. You know, it should be done. I think that there'll be more um, uh, states coming on board because, you know, it's a winner. Both Republicans and Democrats love it. They're not, they're not, no one's going to vote against it, particularly when 75, now 80% of the Americans want to see it happen. Um, no legislator uh, in their right mind is going to vote against it. And the interesting thing is that it's now getting picked up um, uh, around the globe. We're, op we're operational now in all six, well, six of the seven continents. Uh, we, we did leave out and Antarctica, and uh, some wag asked me the other day, so when are you going to get to Antarctica? <laughs> oh, I don't, I'm not sure, but, you know, I tell you, with six continents, there's, there's plenty to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I would think there's plenty to, to do. We can, Antarctica can, might be down the road. All right. So, so um, so is, is there a preferred grade or grade level that the courses are directed towards? And, and uh, you know, is there some sort of special training that the teacher attends in order to uh, um, be the instructor? Yeah, the so um, it's really designed for eleventh uh, and twelfth grade. I think it mostly gets taught in the twelfth grade, and I think it's a great send off to um, college um, because, among other things, when we did the study of the um, uh, the university professors, we asked them really the question of what do you expect incoming freshmen to know, and they expect them to know a lot of stuff. In fact, they gave us uh, 72 books 
collectively that the 39 professors teach um, in uh, English class uh, as freshmen. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know what half of what they're talking about. So that, that's not a good thing. Uh, no. So hopefully they will have gotten it in, in, in high school. So we really hope that uh, students will, will get more of that. And I think that we're in a takeoff point right now. Um, you know, teachers kind of have to find an excuse to go in uh, and, and, and do it. We, we're, we're trying to give them cover with the, um, the legislature and all of that. But I think we're going to be in the not too distant future in a situation where it's, tables are going to turn. Instead of having to find a reason to teach it, you're going to have to find a reason not to teach it. This is going to this is going this is going mainstream, and uh, this is uh, I you know I'm, I'm not sure what year it's going to actually occur, but um, you know the momentum is building, and I, I think there's really no excuse for not including this in uh, world literature. You know what is it about three thousand years um, that uh, of stuff that really works um, that people don't understand, uh, and why why have we decided? to leave it out in the last 50 years. I mean, look, we just came off of some elections. I, I think uh, character was one of the big issues uh, in the election. People want to see better character out there. And we need to teach better character to our kids, don't we? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a, you know, it's a very good point. We have uh, um, so much so that, uh, you know, people like to see some sort of uh, um, better character development in children. And this is this is a low-hanging fruit way of doing it, uh, without being um, uh, you know too um, crazed about it. But you know the fact that it's tied to better grades. Uh, you know what's there not to like a, a, about some of the um, uh, values, biblical values like uh, love, integrity, uh, compassion, and um, self-discipline? Doesn't every parent want their child to have a little bit more of each of those? Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. The uh, you know it's uh, you know and, and it, I can I can see its role in the in the schools and uh, I think this is an um, interesting topic and, and that you, you're um, able to pursue and getting some uh, it seems like you're getting some traction around the country. We're getting a huge amount of traction. It and, you know it takes off. You know a new idea. Um, you can't expect it to um, you know explode immediately. Um, um, there are things that don't do explode, but. That's sort of the uh, the odd um, situation. Uh, it takes a little while for people to get comfortable and people have some questions and all of that. But I think uh, and really appreciate the uh, chance to talk to you and your audience about it because uh, it's time that we uh, turn this thing around. We, you know, we've got a situation where the kids are in desperate need of um, uh, dealing with the of suffering. Uh, you know, compassion is a really strong value that. Um, should be taught. Characters should be taught. Um, you know, we, we all want kids to get better grades. You know, uh, we want kids to understand the world around them. I mean, I, I've just given you a couple of really good reasons to be teaching this stuff. Most definitely. And I, is, this is, it's been great because you, you have definitely laid that out there and it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and Chuck, before I finish up, because I'm getting close, I have a couple of questions coming up that are um, just questions I like to get, ask my guests. Um, before I do that, uh, and before we close out, if, if someone would wanted, wanted to learn more and connect further with you, where would you send them? Yeah, uh, to uh, www.teachthebibleinschools.org. Um, there's more information there. Again, that's www.teachthebibleinschools.org. And um, 
you know, if uh, there are teachers out there that want to learn more, um, uh, there's a way of contacting us through the website. And um, uh, I, I should have uh, mentioned that we do teacher training. Um, we're doing it more and more uh, like everyone else over the web and all that. But we're happy to do teacher training and walk people through um, the, uh, you know, how this is, um, you know, can be taught and should be taught. And, you know, um, uh, you know, to if, if you keep it academic, everyone's totally comfortable. And I think most school districts are pretty tuned into that. Uh, they, they try to find teachers that are good hearted teachers that, you know, are interested in the academic and uh, we got to keep all the, um, uh, uh, the religious stuff and anti-religious stuff, you know, keep that to the side, just, you know, put that to the side. Let's, let's do, let's, let's help kids explain, uh, understand the world around them. Good stuff. Very good stuff. I, you know, I, I thank you. That's, that is awesome. And so let me, let me, uh, um, from there, I'm going to transition to my last two questions and, and it goes like this. Um, if you were given the chance to talk with 100 brand new teachers who haven't started teaching yet, what advice would you give them? Well, I, I, um, first off, uh, uh, there are now a lot of teachers, um, that have uh, been teaching this. Um, we have, um, in some States, we have six States where it's 10%. So there, there is a network out there, uh, that people can, uh, connect with. And, um, I would just encourage them to talk with others that have actually done it. Uh, we're in 45 States. So, uh, there are teachers in every state, uh, pretty much every state except for five that have actually done this. So um, I think it's, um, you know, beginning to talk with your colleagues and say, shouldn't we do this if you're not doing it? And how might we do it? And contact us and we can put you in touch with um, other uh, teachers uh, in the in whatever state you're in, on the except for the five states. And we need to get those five states on board. But hopefully there's, there's they border on a uh, you, you're, you're relatively close if you're a teacher to one of the states that uh, already uh, has it. So we'd like to just connect with people. And I guess, you know, it's really the right thing to do. I mean, again, uh, you know, it's all about uh, decoding the world around them uh, in, a, in a much more productive way uh, in uh, Eng helping them to understand English uh, language, English literature, history, art, music, and culture better. It's about better character. And it's about better grades. That's what it's all about. And you know, uh, teachers should be very excited about that. And, you know, uh, when the American Federation of Teachers, National Education Association, and uh, the National School Boards Association, among others, are all signed off in principle, um, you know, th where's the opposition? There is no opposition. <laughs> right. They can agree. We should do it. <laughs> That's awesome. The, uh, so, uh, last question for you. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If given a chance to say thank you, who would it be? And what would you say? Well, um, I had um, several teachers that were really good at uh, intriguing me and uh, getting me interested in lifelong learning. And so, um, you know, I, I would just give them thanks. And, you know, we're, th this is uh, coming up uh, to uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, and, you know, I think that, you know, we should give Thanksgiving constantly for um, the people that inspired us. And I just had a at least several uh, teachers that come to mind that um, uh, challenged me uh, to uh, learn. And uh, uh, I think life learning is uh, lifelong. And that's 
one of the things that I've taken away from uh, high school and from college uh, is lifelong learning. And I'm just thrilled to, to be doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning stuff every day. And uh, I like uh, working with teachers because I learn from them. And um, we just have had a, a great dialogue with teachers. And um, I just want to continue uh, doing what I'm doing because it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. Excellent. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about teaching the Bible academically. I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about teaching the Bible, and I appreciate you sharing your thoughts today. Wishing you the very best. Thank you very much, Steve. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.